and the picks are in for the 2018 NBA Draft, a day I've been waiting for for quite some time. And the New York Knicks made a selection in which I am very happy about. Kevin Knox, welcome to the New York Knicks. Welcomed with open arms by some, but not by all. But what else is new in the world of the New York Knicks? The fans may never be happy. They may not know what they want. And they almost definitely don't know what is best for them. And I'm going to get a lot into that. This is a NBA draft reaction pod. I'm here late night on Thursday recording for you guys. So hopefully you can enjoy this. I'm going to give you some of my best reactions to this draft. It had a lot of action. A couple trades. Philadelphia apparently has no soul trading Philadelphia's own Mikel Bridges away right after interviewing him and his mother who works at the stadium. Man. But boy, did a lot go on in this year's NBA draft. The Knicks made a pick. Kevin Knox made another pick. Mitchell Robinson in the second round. But there's a lot more to talk about. The top of the draft. The Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade. And so, so much more. Throughout the lottery, all the way through the first round. And you're going to hear all about it right here on the Sports Blog New York podcast with your host, Peter Kennedy. That is me. Guys, it was a good night. It was a lot of fun. And we got a guy who's young, he's athletic, can shoot the three. He may not have been the guy you wanted, but it might be the guy that you need. But without further ado, let's get on to the show. SBNY Podcast, P. Kennedy here. Don't forget to like us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, the whole nine. You know what to do. But then again, the first thing you should do is sit down, relax, and stay tuned. SBNY podcast, P. Kennedy here, talking NBA draft, talking Knicks, giving you my off-the-cuff reaction to everything that went down on this Thursday evening, who we saw go, who we saw go early, who we saw go late, a lot went down in this NBA draft, so thank you guys for joining me on this Friday, bringing you into the weekend. Maybe you're driving down uh, to the Jersey Shore, trying to kill some time, sitting in traffic, I don't know, maybe you left a bad time, you're in traffic. Now you got a nice little podcast here with your man, P. Kennedy, on the Sports Blog New York podcast feed, Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, Pocket Cast, SoundCloud, anywhere you want to listen to podcasts, you can hear this. So thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the NBA draft like I did, because man, I had a good feeling about a lot of these picks, you know? Pretty confident like everybody else, DeAndre Ayton was going number one, wasn't much of a shock. Pretty confident Marvin Bagley was going to the Kings at two. He was the only guy who really showed interest in going to Sacramento. That wasn't much of a shock. But it only took until pick number three for the cards to start getting dealt all over the table. Now, a lot of us may have thought that Luka Doncic was going number three. Uh, In my personal opinion, I thought he's the best player in this draft. But three was the spot I thought. What I did not see coming exactly, was the Dallas Mavericks from number five, flipping picks with the Atlanta Hawks number three, flipping Trey Young to be technically drafted fifth 
for the Atlanta Hawks because the Mavericks send another pick over to Atlanta, and the, and the Dallas Mavericks grab Luka Doncic at number three, Jaron Jackson number four. You know, another, another thing we kind of expected, right? And we may have thought Trey Young was the perfect fit for Orlando Magic. I mean, I know I thought that for sure. But once the Orlando Magic hit that board at number six, and these guys are off, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson, Trey Young, well, that's when the draft really felt like it started for me. Mo Bamba seemed like the obvious pick, and that's exactly what they did. It's a good pick for them, but man, the Orlando Magic need some offense, man. They need people who can put the ball in the hoop. They need people who can shoot the three. And I know Mo Bamba's been putting up some great workout videos about him changing his shooting form, pulling threes, Rudy Gobert with a jump shot, you may hear. But I'm sure the Orlando Magic were sitting there kind of wishing they went home with Trey Young. That being said, can't be too upset about a pick in Mo Bamba. And then we get to the Bulls. The Bulls are sitting at seven, and Knicks fans may start to think, well, damn, every pick that happens now can really, really affect what we get at nine, right? I know I was thinking it. I'm thinking of Kevin Knox. I'm thinking of Mikael Bridges. I'm thinking of Michael Porter Jr., Colin Sexton, Wendell Carter. Now, for me, Wendell Carter's that name. He's that dude. He's a center who kind of got hidden a little bit at Duke because of the prowess of Marvin Bagley. Wendell Carter can shoot the ball. He can do a couple more things than we got to see him do at Duke. If he was there at number nine, I would have been hard-pressed to pick anybody else. But the Bulls made my life a little bit easier by making a very sound pick for them, I believe. Wendell Carter is going to look great next to Laurie Markkinen, protecting the rim a little bit, being that little bit more of an enforcer. Because, you know, Laurie showed some chops, right? Laurie Markkinen showed some chops on defense. He wasn't a pushover. He wasn't the softy that some of us thought he was coming out of Arizona. But he's no rim protector. He's no, he's no uh, enforcer. So the Bulls may have gotten an all-around enforcer, a guy people like to compare to Al Horford. And we know what Al Horford did this year in the playoffs with the Celtics. So the Bulls made my life a little bit easier, I guess, once they took Wendell Carter off the board. But then the Cleveland Cavaliers, coming up to number eight, they kind of felt like a little bit of a wild card, in my opinion. Is LeBron James coming back? Is he not? Does it matter to the front office of the Cleveland Cavaliers on who they're going to pick? Well, that's tough to say after the pick, because they may have shocked some people. I know I was a little shocked. I wasn't exactly sure where they were going. I thought Knox was in play. I thought Bridges was in play. Heard a little bit of Sexton, a little bit of Shea Gildas-Alexander. But then they went, and they pulled the trigger on a point guard who's not the purest shooter, but is a scorer, a strong guy, a big athlete, a guy who took an Alabama team that has no business being in the NCAA tournament, Colin Sexton took them to the promised land. That sounds like a good pick for the Cavs for me. You know, God forbid LeBron James decides to stay around. Look at Colin Sexton. Would he be a better point guard as a rookie than some of these guys that the Cavs were rolling out there last year? Uh, I think they might have been. I think so. Because George Hill, you know, he started to look a little old last year, right? It was like Calderon couldn't get on the floor. That's a, that's a null, null point. Jordan Clarkson is not a point guard. He's a shooter who can't shoot. Colin Sexton, 
He's the type of guy who don't mind throwing out there, giving him the free reins if LeBron's gone, letting him see what he can do, if he can get 20 points a game, if he can get his assist up a little bit. Can he be a franchise player? That was a really worthy swing at a point guard for the Cavs, in my opinion. And then we get to number nine and the New York Knicks. And this is when, you know, for us as New Yorkers, as a lot of us are Knicks fans, we can sit here and start really feeling the pressure, the energy in the room. I know it's in Brooklyn, but the Knicks fans are present. Obviously, the Nets didn't have a pick till number 29, so the Knicks fans' presence was strong. And the chants start coming. And who wants Mikael Bridges? And who wants Michael Porter Jr.? And who even knows where Michael Porter Jr.'s physicals are? Nobody. Now, if you listen to me on this very podcast a week back, two weeks back, or maybe even you listen to my interview on the Asmin Budic show, which I did, uh, you may have seen it on my Twitter, I did a little hit on this radio show out in Long Island, and I, I mentioned the day before the draft on Thursday morning, Kevin Knox was my guy. And he stays my guy. He was the guy who I thought was the perfect pick for the New York Knicks. This is exactly why. To all the people out there, I'll start with Mikel Bridges. To all the people out there who wanted Mikel Bridges to be a New York Knick, let me break down exactly how he compares to Kevin Knox. A lot of people like to talk about floor and ceiling when it comes to these prospects, right? Mikel Bridges tends to be projected to have a pretty high floor, right? At the absolute worst, he seems like a guy who can play in just about any rotation on any team in the league. He can shoot the three. He's 6'7 with a long wingspan. Looks like he can D up a little bit. You know, he has a limited slashing upside. He's not a guy who's going to be dunking on people. He's not a guy who's going to be handling the ball too much. But, you know, you get him on a backdoor cut. You get him in a, a, a good closeout. He can attack it. For sure. I don't, I don't hate Mikel Bridges at all. And, and, and quite frankly, if the Knicks ended up after this draft with Mikel Bridges, I wouldn't have been mad either. He's a good pick. But doesn't it tell you something? That the Philadelphia 76ers, who are the hometown team of Mikel Bridges, not just for Villanova and his college, but his hometown. I mean, Mikel Bridges' mother works at Wells Fargo Arena, where the Sixers play. And they traded him away. They traded him away for a good player in Zaire Smith, sure. But they might have traded him away just to save a million dollars. Because they're looking at LeBron James. You know who's not looking at LeBron James? The Knicks. The Knicks ain't looking there, right? But these moves that the Sixers made save them money. And every dollar that the Sixers save allows them to offer that max sheet to LeBron that they need so badly, right? But back to the simple comparison between Knox and Bridges here. I mentioned Bridges' floor. Can you imagine his ceiling be that much higher than his floor? Because he's got a pretty high floor, right? Yeah, he may be a good three-point shooter. He may be the good defender. Where's his upside? What can he do if he's alone? If he's got the ball in his hands, you need him to make a play. That's not where his upside lies. His upside lies in fitting that role, fitting on a good team. The Sixers seem perfect, no? Ben Simmons out there running the point, slinging passes left and right, hitting a shooter like Mikel Bridges seemed nice. If I'm talking about the New York Knicks, man, a team still looking for their identity. A team still looking with Kristaps Porzingis out. Somebody else who can kind of take charge. 
can take on a bigger scoring burden. I like I love me some Frank Nielakina. I really like his game. I like where he's going. I like his direction. He doesn't seem like the guy who's going to be taking over scoring in a game. You know, I love Frank. I think he tops out 16 points maybe, 17 points. Good handful of assists, maybe six or seven. Strong defense. Some people don't believe he's even our point guard, right? And that's the thing. A lot of people think there's a point guard league. To a point, I agree. I think you need a competent point guard. But what drives this league, to me, is dominant, dynamic wings. And you talk, you listen to Kevin Knox talk why David Fisdale and the Knicks front office liked him so much, right? They're talking about versatility. They're talking about a guy who they can give the ball to be the ball handler in a pick and roll. They're talking about a guy who can run off a screen, who can slash, who can make his own shot in isolation here and there. A guy who's 18 years old, two, two and a half years younger than Mikel Bridges. Now, I don't know if this is an exactly correct theory here, but this is kind of how I feel. Kevin Knox played one year in college, Mikel Bridges three. Wouldn't you believe that if Kevin Knox stayed out there in Kentucky for another year, maybe even two more years, it would have became a little easy for him? I mean, this guy was the, one, the second youngest guy in the draft, and he averaged over 15 points, 16 points maybe. Good handful of rebounds. His shot got better and better and better as the year went on. He would have been sitting there as a junior for Kentucky, probably averaging 22 points in his sleep. Doesn't that tell you that there's some room for him to grow, to blossom at the next level? I know a lot of people mention as negatives for Kevin Knox, maybe his motor, maybe his inability to uh, put the ball on the floor in the college level. To me, Kevin Knox is the type of guy, the type of player, who's going to greatly benefit from the spacing in the NBA game. I mean, the court is literally bigger. It's more stretched out. There's more shooters. The three-point line is further. He's got the distance on his shot. He can shoot the NBA three. But with the game spread out a little bit more, only one big clogging up the paint, a bunch of guys running around on the perimeter, that's going to open up space for a big, strong man who's six foot seven, six foot eight, and Kevin Knox to drive to the lane, to be strong, he could finish with both hands. He can dunk the ball. It's going to open up a lot for him. And when he proves in this space, this spacious game in the NBA that he can take the ball to the rack, that's only going to make his smooth stroke look that much better. The next thing, some people like to criticize him for his defense and maybe his defensive focus throughout the year, right? I challenge you to find me an 18-year-old at any level who's locked in at all times on defensive level. Because <laughs> I don't know one. I can't think of an 18-year-old who's absolutely locked in, especially when he's such a dynamic player, especially when there was such a burden on him on offense at Kentucky. I mean, this is a really important thing to point out here. Kentucky, for all the talent that they do have, they did not have a lot of shooters last year. Kevin Knox ended up being the main long ball shooter for Kentucky, if not the only real long ball shooter for Kentucky in that starting rotation. So what happens there is he's asked to be the shooter, the floor spacer. 
when he wants to be around the rim, he wants to be cut and slashing and shooting. But he's asked to be the spacer. That means defenses are focusing in on him. I remember watching the tournament. He's running around off screens. He's busting his hump. He's trying to get open. But they're focusing in because they know he's the only guy who can shoot. That's not going to be a problem at the next level. Any team worth their weight in salt, which I don't know if the Knicks are yet. They have multiple shooters. And that opens up the floor. And with a couple good guards around him, which I think, you know, we're working there. We're working towards having good guards. They're going to help him flourish. So I want Knicks fans to be patient here. I don't want you to be screaming for this guy's job after a couple weeks, right? I want you to watch him in summer league. You're going to see the athleticism. You're going to see the strength. You're going to see the smooth stroke. And you're going to start to like this guy. Because I've been getting a lot of texts from friends. seen a lot of stuff on Twitter. Maybe you didn't know too much about Kevin Knox. He kind of rose up the ranks in the past week or so. I saw a lot of people texting me. Their first reaction was, oh, what is this, man? I wanted Mikel Bridges. I wanted Michael Porter Jr. And then they watched some Kevin Knox highlights. So if you haven't done so already, I, I please ask you, just go on YouTube, type in Kevin Knox game highlights, game highlights specifically. I don't want, you know, this montage highlights where you can't really see anything. Type in game highlights. Watch a full game where he scored 20 points, where he scored even 30 points against West Virginia, one of the better defensive teams in the league. The guy can do it from every level. He can shoot it. He can slash it. He can create his own a little bit. You're going to like him. But the next guy I want to talk about in regards to the Knicks pick and Kevin Knox, because this is the real outcry. Because I think people wanted Mikel Bridges, but there was this other contingency of Knicks fans who were just really, really into Michael Porter Jr. And I kind of feel, I kind of feel strongly on why I did not want the Knicks to select Michael Porter Jr., The Knicks are known as this team, you know, as a franchise who takes these big risks, right? Who goes for guys who may not have the best injury history or may not have the best, you know, personality history. Michael Porter Jr. was hiding his physical from people. In fact, he wasn't even showing his physical to a lot of teams until him and his agent learned that he was sliding down the draft ranks. A lot of people are on Twitter. A lot of people are at the Barclays Center screaming for Michael Porter Jr. And listen, I get it. If you watch the guy's high school tape, you see him shoot, you see his size, you see what he can do, and you fall in love. I really get it. I really do. But this was not the right risk for the New York Knicks. It was not the right risk, okay? I kind of consider Mikel Bridges the safe pick. On the contrary... I consider Michael Porter Jr. the big old risk. The guy that if you miss on, that if he comes out into the NBA and is injured for multiple years, who never really gets off the schneid as a New York Knick because of a back injury and a hip injury, which are two brutal injuries to return from when you're six foot eleven. If he doesn't make it onto the floor, he can't show what he can do. That becomes a big old bust. And it's not his fault. He deserves better. He seems like a good enough dude. He seems like a confident basketball player. It has nothing to do with that. To me, it was just not the right risk for the New York Knicks. It was not a worthy risk. The Knicks need players. The Knicks need talent. The Knicks need guys who are going to be there day in, day out. 
They need guys under their control who are young and athletic. We're already seeing it with Christoph Porzingis. That ACL, man, it's scary, right? Now imagine having KP coming off an ACL. You know, battling through. He looks like he's working hard to get back. I, I love it. Now imagine having another guy who just had back surgery. Whose back surgery has led to hip injuries. And he's battling back. And yet he may be working hard to get back. He may be working hard to be healthy. But he might not be. So if I consider Mikel Bridges the safe pick. And I consider Michael Porter Jr. the huge risk. You know where Kevin Knox lies? He lies right smack in the middle. With the safety of a high floor. A guy with size and shooting touch and athleticism. And a guy who's 18 years old with the upside to become an all-star player. And and maybe not even an all-star, but a solid everyday starter. Double-digit point scorer. High rebounder. High motor. Switchability on defense. So before you start crying about Juan and Michael Porter Jr., just think about it. The Knicks have had some tough luck, man. And with our best player, Christoph Sporzingis, we just saw an injury. We do not want to be living on that road. We do not. So I consider Michael Mikel Bridges the safe pick. I considered Michael Porter Jr. the huge risk. And I think Kevin Knox was perfectly set in the middle where you can count on him to be there, to be a solid NBA player, to be in the league for 10 to 15 years with all-star upside and dynamic scoring ability. You may not like Kevin Knox now, but give the man some chances. He's going to make you like him. Whew. That's a lot, man. That took a lot out of me. Whew. Because, I mean, I got, I got, I'm getting a little passionate on it because, you know, he's the guy who I, who I got behind, right? I got behind him kind of early. I, I thought he was a good fit for the Knicks. He started slowly sl- sliding up the draft boards, and I was like, you know what? The Knicks are getting tied to this guy. Fizdale seems to love him. Kevin Knox, I mean, he himself almost, you know, gave, he almost woge bombed himself and gave it up that the Knicks were going to draft him. If you didn't see what I'm talking about, Kevin Knox was being interviewed with uh, Ebro from Ebro in the Morning, Peter Rosenberg from Hot 97 and the Michael K Show. And <laughs> they're telling him that something can't fly. And, you know, Kevin, that can't fly in New York. And, Without thinking, Kevin goes, yeah, man, you know, we got a new coach. I mean, they got a new coach, Fizdale this, Fizdale that. He slipped up. He slipped up on Thursday morning. He started calling us we. He sounded like one of us. He sounded like a fan. He sounded like a guy who who's just a fan of the team. He's calling him we. But I think he knew, man. He knew he had a connection with Fizz. He knew he had a connection with that front office, that he was what they're looking for. And the last thing on Knox before I give you some notes on the rest of the draft I thought he answered the Michael Porter Jr. chant question absolutely perfectly. Maria Taylor of ESPN, you know, who did a great job interviewing everybody all night, she heard the chants. She knew that he heard the chants for Michael Porter Jr. inside the Barclays Center. So she respectfully asked him what he thought, how he handled it, and what he said was fantastic. Kevin Knox said, that's fine. He goes, I get it. Honestly, that gives me motivation. He goes, they may have wanted him, but what they're getting is a guy who's willing to work and who wants to get better. And you know what? That's fantastic, man. Because these guys know each other. Kevin Knox and Michael Porter Jr., they probably have known each other for multiple years. 
AAU circuits, all that stuff, right? They probably don't hate each other. They probably don't. But Kevin Knox, you know, he basically got his ego checked as soon as he stepped foot onto that stage with a New York Knicks hat and the fans started chanting for somebody else. His ego was checked right there. And what does he do? He comes down and goes, that's fine, man. I get it. That guy's a, good, that guy's a great player. But what you got is a wing who's versatile, can do a lot of things on the basketball court, who's willing to get better and willing to learn. And that is all we could ask for. All right. Sports Blog New York Podcast, Pete Kennedy. You know, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm out here Thursday night. It actually just hit Friday morning. It's past midnight over here where I'm recording. But I'm here for you. I'm here for you guys to give you some quick takes, some rapid reactions to the draft that was very exciting for me on Thursday night. So I'm going to run through some other picks. Uh, I'll hit on the Knicks second-round pick at the very end, but I just want to touch on a couple other things. You know, I think there are some real winners in this draft, and I think there are some very interesting picks who slid up and who slid far down. So first things first, I'm going to talk about Mikel Bridges and the Sixers and Zaire Smith. So I know Sixers fan really wanted Mikel Bridges, but like I mentioned before, trading him down was a money thing. It really stunk that the Sixers fans thought they were getting their Philly guy, and he got traded away before they knew it. But Zaire Smith is a guy who's super, super athletic. He has some real skill. His shot's a little bit funky, but it goes in when he's open. He has a really good catch-and-shoot jump shot. But his athleticism is going to look great. He's a defensive player. He's going to run the floor. and He's going to look great catching some lobs from your boy Ben Simmons. Trust me on that. You're going to like him. Moving on. Michael Porter Jr., just to get get him off the schneid. I know I just talked about him, right? I said how he was not the worthy risk for the New York Knicks. He is the worthy risk for the Denver Nuggets, okay? I know it might sound hypocritical here, but this is why. Hear me out. The New York Knicks are not in the place to miss on gaining talent, on accruing young people who are under contract, under team control for multiple years. Michael Porter Jr., joining the Denver Nuggets, on the other hand, that is a worthy risk. The Denver Nuggets have a good team. They have Nikola Jokic. They got to give him an extension. They got Jamal Murray. Going to have to pay him in a year or two. Gary Harris just got paid. Three quality players. Right? They can swing on Michael Porter Jr. And if they hit, it looks fantastic. Right? It's going to look great. He's going to be shooting. He's going to be 6'11. He's going to have that imposing force on a game. It's going to be great. But God forbid they miss, or God forbid he's injured. God forbid he's not the player we thought he was or who he once was. The Nuggets are in a position to to keep on keeping on. They have talent. They missed the playoffs by one game last year. Jokic is only getting better. Jamal Murray's only getting better. Gary Harris only getting better. They have a core. They have successful NBA players already. The Knicks are not there yet. If the Knicks were one game from the playoffs, you know what? That's a worthy swing. But we're far from that. For the Nuggets, I really like Michael Porter Jr. He's also going to get an ego check by dropping a 14. Uh, next on my notes here, a little shocked, Dante DiVincenzo going to the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, he talked it up that he had a great meeting with them. The Bucks really liked him. Personally, didn't see him dropping, I mean, getting off the board that quick. Kind of a head scratcher. I don't know exactly how he fits in the rotation. He kind of seems redundant with Malcolm Brogdon. But hey, maybe they want decently athletic to high athletic uh, guard wings who can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, play off the ball. They don't need the ball a lot because Giannis obviously takes so much of that. But Chris Middleton is there, and, you know, Dante has to be able to fill that role that Malcolm Brogdon does. And, and you know, the more I think about it, the more I think it could work. 
The next pick, the 18th pick, the San Antonio Spurs, man. Whew. The San Antonio Spurs did it again. The Spurs got Lonnie Walker out of Miami, a guy who ended up dropping to number 18, but was projected on some boards as high as number 9 to the Knicks. A lot of people thought he was in that 11 to 14 range. He fell to 18. This guy's a supreme athlete, a pretty good shooter, can shoot off the dribble, finish with both hands, acrobatic layups, strong, projects to be a great defender. Lonnie Walker in the San Antonio Spurs system with Greg Popovich maybe filling the role of one Kawhi Leonard. He's going to look really good. Now, I know it's really easy to come out here every day uh, or every time the Spurs make a pick and be like, wow, that guy's going to work. We did it with DeJounte Murray, and it worked. <laughs> it checks out. The Spurs know how to draft them. The Spurs know how to develop them. And if anyone could take a book out of the Spurs, I mean a playbook out of the Spurs uh, system there, it's how to develop people. And if I'm not confident in anyone in this draft, I'm still confident in Lonnie Walker in San Antonio. So much in this NBA draft has to do with fit. And I'm going to get into that in a minute even further. But you're talking about a dynamic 2-3 with some ball handling ability, a guy who can score, a guy who can defend, who's strong and athletic. Man, he's going to look good in San Antonio. He might be the type of guy who doesn't play a ton, a ton in the very beginning. But all of a sudden, by the middle of the year, you're going to see this guy, Lonnie Walker, with the big hair, coming out here, knocking down threes, moving the ball around the court, playing hard on defense, and finishing in transition. He's a good player. Watch out for Lonnie Walker in San Antonio. The next one for my Utah Jazz, and I say my Utah Jazz, uh, semi-joking, but also not because I love me some Utah Jazz. They drafted a guy who, let me be honest, I didn't know what to think of him as an NBA player, and that's Grayson Allen. Everybody knows who he is. We know some of his antics from college that you know, don't look so good for him and his personality. But he seems to have grown up a little bit, and he went to the exact perfect scenario for Grayson Allen. What may the Jazz need to add around Donovan Mitchell, that strong defense, and uh, Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles? Shooters. The Jazz need shooters, man. They, got, they need guys who are going to buy into their system because we know Quinn Snyder has a hell of a system, moves the ball a lot. You have to play defense if you're on the Utah Jazz. And what do we expect out of Grayson Allen at the next level? A guy with a chip on his shoulder who keeps being told that he can't, he can't, he can't at the next level. But he can shoot the ball and he can compete. And he's going to fit right into that system in Utah. I'm actually, I hate to say it, I'm actually high on Grayson Allen now. I thought he went way too high in the draft at 21. I thought he was a second-round pick, early second-round pick, maybe late first, and I wasn't very high on him. But he went to a system that is perfect for Grayson Allen. Good for the Jazz, good for him. I expect some things out of him now. Moving on, later into the first round, we're talking about fit, right? Oh, my God. We're talking about system fit here. Now, if you don't know where I'm going with this, let me start by saying this. If you've been a long-time listener of the Sports Blog New York podcast so long that you actually listened to this a full year ago when we previewed last year's NBA draft, you may know that my take on Jason Tatum is a little bit cold from last year, yeah. I wasn't super-duper high on one Jason Tatum. I wasn't sure about his athleticism. I wasn't sure about his defense. And that sounds absolutely bonkers to say out loud right now. And I know that. I know I sound crazy. But it's true. I wasn't super high on him. I didn't know what to expect at the next level. 
I thought he was going to be a good scorer. I thought he was going to be, you know, an 18-point-a-game guy for his career. And, well, <laughs> he basically did that as a rookie and led a team to the conference finals. But you know why he was so successful? Well, first off, for the first half of the season, he was playing next to Kyrie Irving. He wasn't asked to be the guy just yet. He was playing next to Al Horford, who's one of the most just solid big men in the league, who's a versatile, good passer, good defender. He was playing on one of the best team defenses in the league under Brad Stevens. It was the perfect fit. Jason Tatum ended up in one of the most amazing situations that he could have possibly ever landed in. Now, I'm not trying to sit here and say he wouldn't have been good. I think I was just a little off. I'm, I'm willing to admit. I think he would have been good anywhere. But you're telling me if Jason Tatum was on the Magic last year that we would have cared about anything that he did? You're telling me that if Jason Tatum was on the Suns last year that their 30th-ranked defense would have been anything better than 29th or 28th with him? Nah. He went to the perfect place, the perfect situation, with the perfect coach, and he took that opportunity and literally slam-dunked it on LeBron James' head in the conference finals. Well, this year, the Boston Celtics are sitting there with the 27th pick, right? 27th pick, you never know. It's a toss-up. I mean, Rudy Gobert was a 27th pick, sure. Jimmy Butler was a 30th pick, sure. These guys exist, right? These guys are there in the late first round, early second round. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not. But when you see the Celtics at 27, you're not specifically thinking, oh, well, the Celtics are obviously going to get the steal of the draft. Well, hey, the Boston Celtics very well may have gotten the steal of the draft. Robert Williams out of Texas A&M is a 6'9", 6'10 guy with a 7'5 wingspan, jumps through the roof, is strong, can catch a lob with the best of them, throws down insane dunks, blocks shots, is going to rebound like an animal at the next level. And you know what? He was projected to be the 12th, 13th, or 14th pick in this draft. And he fell to 27 right into the laps of Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, and the Boston Celtics. Because what do the Celtics need now? What can they add to their team, which is already so good and so dynamic? It's a little more defense at the rim protection level and rebounding. And that is the only two things that Robert Williams is good at. Outside of, of course, dunking on people's heads. Let me just tell you this. The teams that picked ahead of the Celtics here, 26 through 22, right? The Bulls, the Pacers, the Trailblazers, the Lakers, the Sixers. I mean, maybe the Sixers could have used them. But all these other teams, if Robert Williams goes there, my confidence level is, is very meh. You know? This guy's going to be a flash in the pan. He'll throw down some sick dunks. He'll win a dunk contest. It'll be fun. But he may not be more than Kenneth Freed in his career. He may not be more than this energy guy who puts in big dunks and blocks some big shots. But now he has gone to a place where he fits so beautifully. He doesn't have to do much offensively by himself. He's not going to be throwing the ball in the post right away. And you know what? Maybe they coach him up and he becomes a good passer like his, uh, his center mate in Al Horford. But right now, for a team that wants to win a championship, this year coming up, they just added a guy who's two years out of college, or he I mean two years in college, now out, who's going to be dunking, rim running, rim protecting, and rebounding the crap out of the ball. If Robert Williams ended up on the freaking Hawks, we wouldn't have heard his name outside of the dunk contest. I promise you that. But now Robert Williams is on the Boston Celtics. Damn it, he's going to be good. Damn it, he's going to be good. 
So I don't know if I'm frustrated or just jealous or what, but I guess good for Robert Williams and not good for the Knicks because uh, just another piece for the Celtics to look fantastic. Just another piece. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a lot of the picks I liked in the first round. Obviously, I didn't go super, super deep. I wanted to keep this kind of short even though I already went over 35 minutes. But quick notes on the second round, things that pop out into my head. The Phoenix Suns, man, they got a guy who I really like, Eli Okobo. Very low-risk pick. I mean, it was their third pick of the draft. Obviously, they got Aiton, Mikel Bridges. That's fantastic for them. Well, what else do they need? What else would the Suns possibly need now? Well, they don't really have a point guard. And Elia Kobo is this lefty out of France who has a really fluid handle throughout the, uh, through the court. He has all these fancy step-back shots. He looks like James Harden sometimes. He can finish with both hands going to the rim. I don't know if he has the physicality. I don't know if he has the speed. But early in the second round, Elia Kobo, lefty with a shot. Hey, man, good swing for the Suns. I like that pick a lot. Uh, moving on to the Knicks pick at 36. Tough to really say too much about Mitch Robinson because we didn't get to see him play. He committed to Western Kentucky and then said, you know what, eh, I don't need it. I'm just going to train for the draft all by myself. So Mitchell Robinson is a tough guy to read, but what do we know for sure? This dude is huge. Seven foot one, huge wingspan, can jump through the roof, finishing lobs, should be a good rebounder. This guy, once we started getting to 33, Javon Carter went off the board. Jalen Brunson went off the board. I was like, you know what? None of these point guards are really standing out that the Knicks are going to take here. I think we might go with this big guy, Mitchell Robinson, and that's exactly what they did. So don't expect too, too much out of Mitchell Robinson, especially early. I project him to be very raw. You know, he didn't even play college last year. So who knows what type of game shape he's going to be in. Who knows what he's going to deliver right away. He may not see the floor very much, especially if Kylo Quinn and Enos Kanter come back. But with KP out early in the year, it should open up an opportunity for this young guy to get some burn. That being said, rim runner, rim protection, finishing lobs, and hopefully, you know, don't be a zero on defense. Be able to move your feet a little bit. Be able to protect the rim. Mitchell Robinson, good swing. That is a good swing in the second round. The last guy I want to talk about ended up on the Philadelphia 76ers. And, uh, you know, Sixers have done some good things lately. I really like it. You may not like that you sent Mikel Bridges out, the hometown guy, but... I, like I said, you're going to like Zaire Smith. And then another guy who you got in the second round, and Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton. I mean, he's an upperclassman, three years at Creighton. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, really athletic, really strong, really good defender. Shot's a little funky, but I'm telling you, this guy was projected in the 18 range. This guy, could, if he was picked 22, nobody would have batted an eye. Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton was projected high. And weird things happen on draft night. Weird things happen. Rob, Robert Williams was supposed to be number 12. He went 27, okay? Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. But when a guy like Kyrie Thomas, who's a really good athlete, a really good defender, joins a team like Philly, who already had one of the top defenses in the league, that's exciting. That is exciting. And that's another guy who can fill a rotation spot for when you cut bait with any type of contracts you have out in Philly. And you know what that's going to do? I mentioned it earlier. That's going to give you a chance to sign the LeBron James. So Kyrie Thomas, nice little pickup for the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, though. I think that's it. I think that's it for now. I don't want to go too long. We're at 40 minutes already. Went longer than I planned already because I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm so hyped up. So hopefully you guys can enjoy this reaction pod. Uh, I was going to call it a mini pod, but I'm glad I did not because it's not super duper mini here. 
But if you like what you heard, if you like the rapid reaction, if you appreciate it, I would really appreciate you if you hit me on Twitter at P Kennedy, two Y's. That's P Kennedy with two Y's. Just hit me with a little tweet. Just be like, dude, like the pod. Good work. Keep it up. I would love that. That would make a, mean a lot to me, and I really appreciate the support from any of you that listen. I know I had a couple friends hit me up, said uh, they're they're ready to listen to this pod, hear some of my takes. So hopefully you guys enjoyed. Hopefully you appreciate Kevin Knox and what he can bring to the New York Knicks, because I think we got a good one, guys. I think we got a good one. He was the dude I wanted. He's saying the right things. He looks like he wants to work. And the number one thing, he wanted to be in New York. And I know. You can say that about almost anybody in the draft. I mean, Trey Young, Mo Bamba, Luka Doncic, Michael Porter. They all wish they were in New York, right? But we got ours. We got Kevin Knox. Versatile wing. Smooth stroke. Slashing ability. Ability to switch on defense. That's the NBA, baby. That's what you need. And we may have gotten one. But that's all we got here today. Sports Blog New York Podcast. Please go to iTunes Apple Podcast app and subscribe to this program. If you feel so kind, leave a rating and a review. I would appreciate you. But my name is Peter Kennedy, and y'all have a great weekend, and you'll have a great time watching Kevin Knox highlights on YouTube.